Welcome, Think Anesthesia podcasters. I'm Amanda Shelby, the Think Anesthesia content coordinator. In this episode, we are interviewing Dr. Tracy Gillespie. Dr. Gillespie is a board-certified internal medicine specialist in small companion animals. She currently serves as the medical director for IndiVet Emergency and Specialty Hospital in Indianapolis, Indiana, where she founded the Internal Medicine Service and continues to provide care to pets within that service. Additionally, she is active in the local veterinary medical association, serving on the CE committee. She is very busy, but she is providing us with her time to talk about the importance of implementing morbidity and mortality rounds, commonly referred to as M&M rounds, into a functioning clinical practice. Welcome, Dr. Gillespie. Thanks so much. So before jumping in with specifics on implementing M&M rounds in clinical practice, could you first just give our audience some context about IndyVet? Yeah, sure. IndyVet is a multi-specialty and emergency hospital with about 25 doctors, including interns and apprentices, covering lots of different specialties. We are a teaching facility as well. Being that you have an influx of interns and a very large staff to support the doctors in that facility, could you share with us the purpose or goal of performing M&M rounds within a private practice emergency referral hospital setting? Yeah, I think, you know, really the reason anybody does it is to do better, right? We want to strive to be the very best version of ourselves we can professionally. And in that we want to hold ourselves accountable to best practices. And so this format allows us to kind of leverage the experiences of our staff, especially members that come from other organizations where we can sit down as a group and discuss a case and have input from various individuals who might've had different experiences elsewhere. But it also allows the entire team to kind of be in touch and know that they're heard and allow them to provide feedback, both to the organization, to the system, but also on the individual patient level. That's awesome that everybody gets a chance to be heard and contribute ideas and obviously work towards the goal of bettering the organization and the outcomes for patients. When you were looking to implement this into clinical practice at your facility, what model did you use or adopt to implement this into practice? So we went to the human literature and we used the Ottawa M&M rounds model to base our system on and used their concept of picking cases that um, where patients either died or came to harm, where we had some preventable things that we could have stopped, as well as lessons to be learned for the group. So that's what we wanted to focus on was where we could improve outcomes, improve communication, documentation, maybe training um, was our focus. And just a quick Google search does yield the downloadable Ottawa M&M round model. So if you just go to your web browser listeners and type in O-T-T-A-W-A M&M model, it will populate and you can download those for review if you'd like to take a look at those. And so who within your organization, Dr. Gillespie, presents these rounds? So I think that's a little bit unique in that really anyone can present. We really, um, I think, focus on the technicians and interns presenting, but we've had everything from the specialists to even the CSR on a team. We typically have two people involved in presenting a case just so that we kind of share the workload. It's a group project. It's a pretty big deal to go through and dissect an entire case and look through all the records and the treatment sheets and the communications that happen and try to really 
dissect what went down with that case. So it's better as a shared project. And really the concept is, you know, it's typically the people who are most passionate about the case are the ones that we want to present it because they are vested in the case. They want to see us learn and get better from it. So I think the idea that this can only be presented by a doctor, you know, we miss our target. I think the technicians and interns really benefit from the experience of working up a case. And I think oftentimes you can get passionate about one little piece of the case. And all of a sudden, once you've dissected it and realized that oftentimes when these cases go a direction we don't like, it wasn't because of one mistake. It was oftentimes a series of things that got us into that position. And so then having that kind of better context both helps the staff member realize like, hey, it wasn't this one single error that one person made. It was really like we had three errors before that that allowed that final error to happen. Um, and so I think that helps the staff member understand, but also feel like the organization is able to address those issues and we can grow from that. That's helpful. And I would imagine an organization of your size with the various departments that rarely are cases seen by a singular service or doctor and that there's a lot of collaboration in general between cases that come and go through the hospital. For sure. And I think that uh, we initially approached it like maybe the people who presented shouldn't have anything to do with the cases, but we found that was hard for them to really dissect the nuance of the case when they didn't know it. And sometimes that information isn't always available in the record in the way we want it to be. So really having people involved in the case, but then being able to touch base with all the different services that were involved, again, helps us identify those issues, but also empowers the individuals involved in those cases to feel like they have real ability to change the course of their patients and of our hospital. So to capture upon the concept of change or processes, what does IndieVet's practice in following an M&M presentation, how does that impact the practices, policy, or procedures? We do try to take something from all of these cases, whether it's a change in our uh, Parvo case protocols. That was one of the things that we changed was how we checked in. This wasn't even a medical so much as a checking in process of these parvo dogs. We didn't want them walking into our lobby and potentially infecting. So having those questions come on the front end, particularly during COVID when we were having contact in the parking lot with a lot of those folks, allowed us to identify those patients and get them straight into infectious disease rooms so they weren't affecting other patients. But also it's a good way to identify different training issues. Like we might see a deficit with CRI calculations or blood transfusion protocols. And so being able to really give our trainer that information so that they can improve training for individuals or even groups of individuals if we have a lot of new, new grads. Now, I'm sure you probably don't have a long list of people begging to present M&M rounds, being that it's usually associated with a death, harm, injury, or near miss. But how does your practice go about selecting the topic or the case to present? You know, surprisingly, one of the, one of the focuses of the Ottawa M&M model is this has to be a non-judgmental, you know, sort of emotion out of it. We're not, we're not trying to make anybody feel defensive. We want this to be a constructive model. So I think when we pick cases, we'll even talk in rounds and it has gone maybe a bit of a different direction. You'll hear somebody suggest this would be a great M&M case. Um, and again, that's the idea is like when we talk about it every day and it's part of our uh, language in our rounds, it doesn't have a negative connotation for us. It's a learning tool for us. 
we can see value in exploring that case and all of us learning to be a little bit better. So I feel like it's so ingrained that it's just kind of part of our process. Another way that we can select our cases can come through our error reporting system, which actually was also implemented after an M&M rounds indicating like, hey, sometimes these errors don't get reported. Nobody's around to hear them. So having an anonymous reporting system that allows people to say like, hey, here was a medical error, a drug calculation error, maybe even a communication error. It wasn't something that was automatically wrong, but maybe we could have done it um, in a different manner communication-wise with the client. So that's actually been a good source for finding cases is looking at where we have some errors and then going back and looking at those cases. And surprisingly, I find that the staff and nurses are really quite willing to present these, both because I think they enjoy the experience. It's something a little bit different from their day-to-day, but also, again, many times with those near misses or a, a death, they feel like, gosh, I want to make sure that we learn from this and we can be better. So are there any other spillover effects that you feel implementing M&M rounds into a clinical practice, a very busy emergency referral practice has had on the staff, on administration, on workflow processes? I mean, the error reporting was certainly a good one. We also made some changes, like we utilize an electronic or a digital treatment sheet, that radar right now, that allows us to better track, you know, used to be everybody was signed in as a general login. This allows us to actually track who's doing what within the system. So allow us to have better accountability, better monitoring, and ability to go back and follow up with training where needed when errors did happen. Other opportunities, certainly that M&M does give sort of your average employee a chance to get out there and do a presentation or do a group project, have a leadership opportunity where they might not on their day-to-day. And I think the staff feeling like they have a voice helps improve morale because they feel like, you know, we're, we're listening. We want to be better. And so we are listening to what's happening on the floor. And again, I think helping us train better is really an important part of that. Yeah, and IndyVet actually has someone dedicated to tailored training to individuals. We have a full-time trainer with the opportunity for an assistant trainer because we are an organization of 150. Not only do we have new people, but we have ongoing training for our staff members who are here. We do annual CPR training for everybody. We want to make sure that we are continuing to grow the individuals in our organization too. So how long has IndyVet been utilizing an M&M strategy and how often do you perform these rounds in your practice? I think we've been doing it probably about four years now. We do make it mandatory. We do it quarterly and you're only allowed to miss one a year. And again, I think that's part of the value of M&M. We we consider it important, so we do make it a mandatory. It's continuing education because we're learning. So they do get continuing education credit for doing it. But I think the fact that we make it a mandatory session helps a people feel like, hey, this is an important thing we're doing here to help make sure the organization is accountable and we're holding our individual team members accountable too. I think some of the value of M&M is certainly for our patients improved care, but I think having a safe place to either report errors or bring concerns on cases in a non-confrontational, non-critical way where we can get constructive feedback and feel like we are actually growing as individual doctors and nurses and really administrators is a big part of why we do M&M rounds. But the key is to make the tone and the approach to be a learning environment for people to feel safe that they can make errors and that we're going to then hopefully 
either help them with training or help them with systemic changes in the organization that will help them do better. So what's really interesting to me is that you've taken something that is very medically driven, right? So near miss, death, harm, preventable mistake that is associated with a clinical case and really taken that process and provided an opportunity for IndyVet's community to really feel comfortable with the workplace culture. Any comment on how that has translated into the culture there at IndyVet? I think the key comes down to feeling safe, feeling safe to make a mistake, but also feeling safe to identify mistakes that you'll be heard that there, there won't be any repercussions to that or retaliation to identifying where we can do better. And so I think providing a good learning environment and a safe learning environment is what this is all about. Thank you, Dr. Gillespie, for sharing how we as veterinary professionals can implement policies and procedures that allow us to reflect on what many define as an undesirable situation, but it provides us solutions for bettering our outcomes, and that has an impact on our whole veterinary community. At Jurox, we know you have many educational opportunities available to you, and we thank you for taking time to listen to our podcast. Consider subscribing to our Think Anesthesia website to earn race-approved continued education credits on subjects related to or closely related to anesthesia and analgesia. Thank you so much, Dr. Gillespie. Thank you.